Welcome to the Astra Economic Review. My name is John Eckstein. I'm the Chief Investment Officer at Astra Investment Management. I'm joined today by my friend Nick Tell. Nick, hello. Hello. Good to be here, John. Nice to have you. Nick is the CEO of Armory Investment Group. Is that accurate? Uh, that's right. There you go. And a longtime fixed income market participant, plays in all the different elements of the fixed income market. And so today, we are going to go over the Fed's recent action. We're recording this on Thursday, September 21st. Uh, the Fed had their first conference yesterday. So we'll talk a little bit about the Fed outlook for the rest of the year and then jump into some of the different segments of the, the fixed income market. I think it's going to be an interesting discussion. So first of all, so the Fed held steady yesterday, but did you see that as a uh, a hawkish steady or a dovish steady or just like steady? Do you have any, what, do you, what did you think of the Fed's move yesterday? From my standpoint, it was hawkish. Okay. I, and I think it's because you, you've seen this today because of the all the indications with respect to holding long-term rates higher for longer. Right. And uh, that really kind of translates into something that I think the markets were upset about, as we're seeing today. Yeah. So we're seeing today, again, this is Thursday 21st, we're seeing yields up sharply across the term structure, the back end of the term structure, not so much at the front though, you know, so for forwards are pretty steady, two years not moving that much, all things considered. So, right. so uh, higher for longer, I think, is the message that the, the market got anyway. And, you know, a couple of things that uh, I guess my overall sense was that, yeah, you know, he said that inflation still has, has moderated somewhat, has a long way to go. We had a bunch of good readings. Core PCE is still well above target, and it's yet to determine whether that will come down. I also thought it was interesting that there is a proposal at the policy to make, at the meeting to maintain the current policy stance, and some like uh, seven voters wrote down no hike, twelve wrote down a single hike at one of the next two meetings. So I think Powell interpreted that in his press conference as saying that the people are saying people are saying. Let's see how the data are coming in. And to me, I guess I see sort of all eyes still on employment, right? Like any sort of substantive growth or labor market weakness would be kind of a surprise at this point. We don't have any of the hints of any of that. You, uh, you agree right. with that? Yeah, it's a big, it's an amazingly resilient labor market that I think is surprising the Fed, surprising the markets and as a result, I think it, it just feels like Powell is trying to reset uh, expectations that uh, until it starts seeing some dramatic break and cracking in that market, we're going to see the rates stay where they're at or a little bit higher. Yeah, I think because, right, so they're never going to be really sure that inflation is not going to come back like some horror right. monster with unemployment at 3% or 3.5% or something, right? Like, just no Yeah, it's, a, it's going to be a constant governor is the only thing they've got is the rates, right? And they're going to yeah. just keep them elevated because the minute that they loosen that is their concern is that that creates, again, a, a fuel of fire of inflation. Yeah, and so currently the Fed Fund's futures market is seeing cuts by the end, two cuts by the end of 24. Like I would interpret that more probabilistically, right? And say like yep. there's like 25% chance of, you know, four to six cuts and 
a 75% chance of zero cuts between now and 2024. You, what do you think of that assessment? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, uh, as we've seen, sort of, it, it just keeps rolling forward, right? Right. Uh, you know, so it's just until we start seeing some real softness in the economy, I think it's going to continue to keep rolling forward. So that is all it feels like is that they just start saying there's got to be softness now and sometime in 2024. Therefore, there's got to be cuts sometime in 2024, right? Got to? I don't know about got to. <laughs> I mean, just the, the high probability. I mean, that's again what they're. It's just a probability assessment that there's. Right. It's just a matter of time, and so we might as well call it in 2024, and oh, six yeah, months yeah. from now they'll call it in 2025. Right? It's right. there's no softness. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So one of the things we look at is called consensus economics, and they they pull a bunch of economists, and usually the pattern throughout the year is that the economists think, oh gosh, next year is going to be great. And then as the current year unfolds, they lower their expectations for next year to sort of towards the, the average. And this uh, last 18 months, we've seen the opposite where people have been, economists have been expecting a recession next year and just keep putting it off. So right. maybe they'll be beaten into a state of reasonableness soon. Or we'll just you know be uh, in this Goldilocks economy that ultimately just stays where it's at, but we just keep thinking that... Uh, rates are going to need to come down and they won't. I mean, that's really the, the duration issue, right? That ultimately people have been debating about. We saw Bill Gross talk about it today. Just simply is long-term yields permanently elevated. Yeah. I think that is the big question. I mean, so you and I like been in business a long time. And so 5% yields on the 10 year doesn't seem, four and a half percent yields on 10 year doesn't seem, no, I mean, well, not as long as Bill Gross, actually. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it doesn't seem that high to me. Well, <laughs> right? So, like, when I was a kid, they were like 4.5% was on the low side. Right. Like, right. The first 10 or 15 years in this business. So, I'm going to say Fed in a nutshell. Fed is data dependent. Most important data is inflation. Probably not likely to hike much more without very bad inflation numbers. Probably not likely to cut without bad payroll numbers. That's right. my that's my Fed in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean that's I I completely agree that they need to see some cracks in the uh, in the employment market to have any hopes that they're going to start adjusting rates down. Right, and to be careful what you wish for if you're a yeah. stock market investor. Yeah, exactly. So let's jump to the fixed income market. So you know the way uh, I mean we everybody thinks about the fixed income market. So you've got two main axes that you're concerned about: the duration axis and the credit axis. And I know you spend sort of more of your time and energy looking at the corporate yield, the investment grade or sub-investment grade. And I also know that one of the things that the way you look at the fixed income world is is based on the discount of the price to, to par. Could you talk about that a little bit and why you think it's so interesting? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, if you think about the investment grade market right now, what's interesting is that bonds are trading at a discount to par, as much of a discount as... 20 cents. And so they're trading around 80 cents on the dollar in order to get the. So, you're, so, you're saying, so, there, so there's some like some bond that a well-rated company put out a couple of years ago. It's investment grade. It's A or, or double A. And so now because rates have gone up, instead of trading right. at R, it's trading at 80. Yeah. Because you have from so, a duration yeah. standpoint, it, this trades is at, good, it has to trade at a discount to get to the same yield that the market's at right now if a new bond was issued today. Right. And it's a good company. So you know that you're going to get your money back. 
you're going to get your hundred bucks at the end of the bond term. And so, so I guess, so you, the way you like to invest, Dennis, is accurate that you want to buy something with a discount and hope that when it's, you think that the yields are going to go down hope that sort of you'll get excess capital gains in the bond as opposed to just clipping your coupons. Is that right? And so, and there's two reasons typically it trades at a discount. One is because of duration or because of yield or yield curve shift. And the other is because of credit risk. And you need to look at both because even a single A bond has credit risk and that it might get downgraded. Right. So you always want to look at from a market standpoint, what's the cause of the discount and is it the right time to invest because you think you can capture that discount because the benefit of thinking about it is that if you buy a bond today, an investment grade bond today that has a 6% yield attached to it, there's no discount. And so if the yield goes to seven, it has to trade at a premium or the, the yield goes to five, it has to trade at a premium. You can capture some discount if you buy it at 80 cents on the dollar. And if the yield goes to five, then it will go to 90. So it's the opportunity to get both the a nice yield, as you can see it relative to what you've seen in the investment grade market for the last few years, but also capital appreciation attached to that yield, which has tax benefits as well as you know just economic benefits. And so there's two reasons why a bond might be discounted. And you said the first was the basically, you said duration, but you meant sort of like, so imagine everything's priced off of the treasury yield curve, right? So if the treasury yield curve, 10-year or 20-year treasury yields go up in yield, down in price, then sort of like there's an accordion effect and everybody else has to follow along, right? That's right. Yes. And then, and vice versa, right? That's the shift that you're looking for now is that because what we saw was that in 2021, you had the yield curve, not just go inverted, but also shift dramatically higher, right? Because of concerns about inflation, particularly in the long duration assets. So long duration loans, long duration bonds, I should say, basically required a significantly higher yield as that curve shifted up. And that's really where we're at today is when, if any time, that curve will shift down. If that curve shifts down back to where it was, not even, it doesn't even need to go back to where it was, but lower than where it's at today, that's what allows you to capture the discount because now you have a lower yield demand for those longer duration assets. So that's really the question for investment grade bonds is, are you going to ever see this yield curve shift back down? Because at the short term, you know, you've got the inverted curve that's going on. And so you have short-term rates higher than long-term rates. The longer term, the short-term rates can shift back down by the Fed now starting to cut, et cetera. But that doesn't mean necessarily that that yield curve is going to shift in the long end. And that's really the question with respect to capturing the discount on investment-grade bonds. Right. So now let's break it down a little bit. So let's start investment-grade bonds. What's your opinion of the risk-reward right now, investment-grade bonds? Well, I, you know, it, I would tell you a year ago, I would tell you that I thought it was going to be that there's more likely than not that the yield curve would shift down. And as a result, there's a great opportunity. And, you know, you and I have had many of those discussions. Yep. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you that now I'm less bullish on that trade because I think there is too many d- dynamics to try to predict with the resilience in the economy being one of them to really say sort of when that yield curve is going to shift back down. And so that's where I'm less focused on investment grade today and focused on other components mm-hmm. of the credit markets and high yield, both loans and bonds, because I think there's more of an opportunity there, given what's going on in the economy and um, 
and where I think sort of directionally you can make money today and still have opportunities for future opportunities to capture discount in the future. Interesting, right. So the thesis is sort of that the the yield curve, the long end of the yield curve is going to stay the same for a while, for six months or a year. And if that's the case, then investment grade bonds won't be super attractive. I mean, they're, you know, you get a five, six percent current yield, which is fine. Right, that's right? basically, yeah. But you don't get the the ability to capture discount. And I think you've nowadays, I think you have more of that opportunity in the high yield market because of what that market is how that market is trading relative to the investment grade market. Yeah. And the situation in high yield similar, or you think that uh, there's some deeper discounts in some of the high yield bonds, right? Yeah. And I think the, uh, the what's interesting now is that if you look at sort of the discount that exists in the high yield market, it's again, just like in the investment grade market, very significant relative to going back the last 15 years, whenever the economy seems relatively strong or growing, you typically don't see a lot of discount in the high yield market. You're seeing that today mm. because of a couple of reasons. One is what's going on in the 10 year. So there's a duration element that you have to worry about, particularly the higher rated high yield bonds like double Bs. Yep. But you know the what you're seeing is a wider margin between triple Cs, which is the lowest quality high yield bond and double Bs because there's more of a concern that will hit these triple C bonds if the economy and the soft landing doesn't happen, as people are hoping that it would happen. And there's other issues. And as a result, the, the Fed either raises rates too high or other issues that causes the economy to go significantly lower. And as a result, you have this really interesting dynamic where you have an improving economy so far with a very wide spread between double B bonds and triple C bonds historically speaking. And so that's really the uh, an interesting dynamic that at the right time, as the as you're starting to see that the Fed is starting to think they've got control on inflation, which is, it feels getting there where they're not going to raise rates that much. At the same time, they're starting to feel like there's a soft landing that you can capture that discount, even if long-term rates and particularly 10-year rates stay elevated. What you're doing is effectively capturing the difference between where triple C's typically trade relative to double B's. And that's that could be 100, 200 basis points. That creates a real opportunity for outsized returns in the triple C high yield bond market. And that happens. Right. So let me make sure I, I understand. So uh, one, you would be worried, you'd be more worried about a discount in the, the lowest rated bonds if it was because like you were afraid you weren't going to get your money back, right? Because there was a because we were in a recession. So now, but I guess the big discount is probably due to the possibility of a recession in the next few years. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's the uncertainty around sort of where, directionally where the economy is going mm-hmm. with surprising that it's, it's staying as resilient as it is. And it's just a matter of time. And if the Fed really gets focused on achieving 2% inflation, that they will jack rates significantly to the point where it slows down the economy in a, in a draconian way, and that will have an impact on the worst high yield credits first, right? I guess they could. Like, right. I guess I don't, I don't see that as the most likely scenario. No, I don't. That's that's what I've gained. I thought that was going to, like I said, if you asked me a year ago, I would have tell you that that's my biggest concern, so don't even touch triple C bonds. But the fact is, it just seems the Fed has been 
so cautious. And I think part of it is what's been going on every step along the way, that there's other impacts that they have to worry about, whether it's the regional banking crisis that we saw and how that could translate ultimately into the bigger banking market to the extent that they elevate rates too far too fast, that it just feels like they're very cautious. And even if inflation stays in the 3% area, they won't uh, cut rates. And that's hence the reason I'm concerned about investment-grade bonds, because it may mean that rates stay elevated for a number of years. Um, but that we're, uh, but I, it just doesn't feel like it's a Fed that is looking to really shut down the economy to get to 2%. No, it doesn't seem like they need to. And like, God didn't make the Fed, the United States Congress did. So like, they yeah. can <laughs> shut down the uh, the economy if they don't really feel like they have to. And so the the other piece of the high yield, which you touched on, would be basically the spread between the highest quality- high Double Bs. Highest yeah, quality double. double B and the lowest quality double B. That spread, you're saying, is wider than average. And if that normalizes, again, you could you could get some of those discounts. You could get yeah, some. Yeah, even, even, even if the 10-year stays where it's at, if that spread normalizes, you have an opportunity to capture outside returns in triple C bonds. Right. Uh, so you're, you're not counting on, again, you're factoring in the duration risk that we're talking about, that maybe 10-year will stay at four and a half or so for the next few years. But if the economy continues to improve or at least stays relatively stable, then that spread between triple C bonds and double B bonds should narrow. And that's what you look to capture today by investing in triple C bonds. Got it. And now you also watch the high yield or the uh, the high yield loan market too. Could you just remind us briefly about the difference between the high yield loans and high yield bonds? Sure. And so loans actually for particularly middle market companies these days basically comprise 80% of their capital structures. And what a loan is, it effectively, it's a senior secured piece of debt that's floating rate and typically floats these days off of SOFR 90, 30 or 90 day SOFR. The SOFR rate, you know, moves pretty much directly in line with the Fed funds rate or short term treasuries. And so you see sort of what's been happening with that asset class in the last call it two years as so as the Fed fund rates is going up, so has the rate on those loans. And so what you see is a loan typically has, call it a 300, 400 basis point spread over SOFR. And, and so with SOFR- SOFR is the replacement for LIBOR, right? That's right. Yeah. That used to be LIBOR. And then since a couple of years ago now has been replaced. Yep. Uh, but same idea. Exactly. It's a measure of overnight lending. Right. Overnight exactly. High, high essentially. Essentially right. And so it, it, but it's very, it's very susceptible to any change in the short term rates. And so what you see now is you have loans that generate a nice current yield, senior secured in the capital structure of many of these companies with a spread of three, 400 basis points, some cases five, 600 basis points over SOFR. So mm-hmm. if you do the math, that gives you with 5% type SOFR, you're talking anywhere from eight to 12% current yield, no duration risk because it resets every 90 days, relatively short-term maturities. And so this is where sort of from a risk reward standpoint today, in the in the credit markets, it's the we think the best opportunity to make you know an outsized return relative to short term short term treasuries and with less credit risk than because the the senior secured nature and particular if you're doing double B type loans trading around par 
with a uh, an opportunity to get an eight percent type current yield as you wait as some of these other dynamics play out to ultimately yeah. as you you know make your eight percent you can transition from high yield loans to high yield bonds as you're thinking more that the economy is going to stay stable to potentially grow and that's where you start thinking about capturing the discount but a nice current yield along the way yeah and even if you look at some of the senior loan ETFs that we look at from time to time, you see the 12 month trailing yield, you know, in six, seven percent. You see the indicated yield at eight, nine, ten percent. That's starting to look pretty attractive. And even if you are a little bit worried about the economy, maybe. That's right. And it's a good place to generate a nice, you know, it's a balanced return because you get a current yield, you're senior in the capital structure. And so you're you're defensive relative to high yield bonds, but and generate an outsized return that justifies the risk relative to investment grade. Yeah. And if you look at some of the, if we look at the high yield bond, the dividend yields of the high yield bond ETFs, they look, uh, you know, like you get five, 6% yields. And so it sounds like you're, like you're actually in the loans, you've got lower duration, you're higher on the capital structure and the yield is higher, right? Am I... Doing that right, you are in the uh, in sort of a blended high yield bond type ETF that is kind of and those ETFs typically are more focused in double B and single B and have they kind of reflect the market which is about ten percent triple C's and ninety percent double B and single B. Yeah. So as a result, that's where you get that's how it blends out to be. That's exactly right. Where in terms of loans right now. There, you get a better and a more attractive yield relative to the high yield ETFs simply because you're more senior, you're more floating rate, and you get the benefit of SOFR immediately. And the high yield market has been a little bit, especially the double B, single B side of the equation, and hence the reason why the, the difference between those two bonds, those two rated categories of bonds is wider than what you typically see in the triple C market right now because they, it's a little frothy. So that's where... You know, loans are better than just simply a high yield ETF because you get a better return and you're still are pretty defensive relative to the economy. Got it. So overall, I think your opinion is that the high yield loans is the place to be and keep an eye on when you might think the longer end of the treasury curve might shift down and yield up in price. That. Accurate? On the investment grade side and in the below investment grade, look at and find opportunities to invest in the triple C into funds that focus just on triple C's as mm. a way to capture that discount at the right time. If you think that even if the yield curve doesn't shift, if you gain greater confidence that the economy is at least stable, if not growing. Makes sense. All right. I think that's great. I think we'll leave it there. And thanks very much for your time, Nick. If you would like more information about Aster's economic views. You can check out the Aster website or reach out to your Aster sales representative. Thanks, Nick. My pleasure. Thanks, John. Investing in bonds or loans involves risk. High-yield bonds are lower-credit quality bonds, which have a higher risk of default than other higher-quality bonds. There is no guarantee that bond issuers will pay income or principal payments. Senior loan investing also involves risk, including potential loss of income or principal due to default. Astor Investment Management, LLC, is an SEC-registered investment advisor. All investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. There is no guarantee any investment strategy will achieve its objectives or be profitable. 
All information contained herein is for informational purposes only and does not constitute advice for any particular individual. This is not a solicitation to offer investment advice or services in any state where to do so would be unlawful. Analysis and research are provided for informational purposes only, not for trading or investment purposes. All opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and subject to change. They are not intended as investment recommendations. Occasionally, guest speakers not affiliated with Astor are featured, and their opinions are their own and not necessarily shared by Astor. See Astor's form ADV on AstorIM.com or the SEC website for additional information.